Good morning, church. It's always a pleasure to have this opportunity to get to uh, come and visit with you again. I've been gone since, I guess, September of 2010. It's good to see old and new faces again. Uh, it's good to see the Olivers. We worship together during the duration of the Pasadena congregation. The Harpers, it's good to see you. And it's certainly good to see two of my daughters, Charlotte uh, and her daughter, youngest daughter, uh, Caroline, Monica and her husband, John, and their son, John Jr. It's good to see everyone here this morning, and we just hope that what is said will have some benefit to you as a person, as a member of the Lord's Church, or whatever your situation might be. We're looking this morning and a theme of personal leadership. Now there's part leadership in the Lord's church, but we're looking this morning as individual, as members, how that we should develop the personality of being a good personal leader. This man, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, he was, as the scriptures was read in your presence a few moments ago, he was a rich man. He was a follower of Jesus. Uh, he voted against uh, not putting Jesus to death because he was a member of the Sanhedrin court. And of course the Sanhedrin court was the highest of the Jewish ranks like our uh, Supreme Court today. And he certainly did not want to kill Jesus. But when he was crucified, he realized that Jesus needed a special burial, and he took care of that. He had the attitude that everyone needs a proper burial, and he had the knowledge to go and ask Pilate for the body. He was really taking a chance because he voted to free Jesus, and he was a follower of Jesus but he yielded his personal leadership and went to Pilate and said he would like to have the body of Jesus. And Pilate rendered that service to him, and when they received the body, as the scriptures was read in your presence, they wrapped him in clean linen cloth and then placed him in Joseph's own tomb, one that he had hewed out of the rocks for himself. It takes uh, courage to be a self-starter. We should develop that attitude of being a self-starter. The elders of the church, as they oversee the work of the church, they have a responsibility to make sure that things go as planned and follow the pattern of the Bible. But we also need to have people that develop the attitude of personal leadership within the congregation. Elders should also be, I understand you are starting that procedure, maybe you already have appointed elders, I'm not sure, but I know you're in that process. And the eldership oversees all of the work of the church. 
They are the ones to plan and guide and make sure that the congregation stays on track in accordance to the scriptures. But we are dealing this morning with personal leadership. Now this word, overseer or elders, there are six words in the New Testament, and we're talking of the New Testament writing, that means the same. That word is pastor, shepherd, Ephesians 4 verse 11, 1 Peter 5, the first four verses. And then we have bishop and overseers, Acts 20, 28, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 1. Then we have elders and presbyters. That's mentioned in Titus 1 and 5, Acts 14, verse 30, 23, and also in 1 Peter 5, 1, and Acts 20 and 17. Now some might say, well, why do you call the officers of the church elders? You know, as you go back into the old Bible, elders is used numerous times, but it was the older people the older men, people that they thought were more wise, and if they had problems, they took those problems to the city, and the elders of that city would make a decision on what's to be done. But in the New Testament, the elders is completely different. It means all of these words, and we use that word in the church, elders. I'm not sure... Why? Unless it's because it is used more times in the New Testament than all the other words put together. For example, pastor is only mentioned one time. Shepherd, uh, one time. Bishop is only mentioned five times. Overseer, two times. Presbyty, one time. But elders is mentioned 61 times in the New Testament. So that is good enough reason to me to use the word elder and that is used basically throughout the Lord's church. But to qualify for one of these jobs as elder of the church, you do not just say, well, I've been called to be an elder of the church. Put me in. That's not the way it happens. There are scriptural qualifications that must, uh, individual must have in order for them to be appointed as an elder of the church. And you find those qualifications in uh, the book of 1 uh, Timothy. 1 Timothy uh, 3, verse 1 through 7, and Titus, verses 5 through 9. And it has a very strict list of qualifications that must be followed. And it even goes on to tell us in other scriptures what the responsibility of the eldership really is. But we are concerned this morning with the personal leadership of the individual members. My main problem is with myself, it doesn't matter what others do but I must be concerned of what I do. Uh, what will I do as a member of the Lord's church? What I have done in the past doesn't really matter. But it's what will I do today, tomorrow, and thereafter. 
and each of us should have that personality and attitude. What will I do for the church tomorrow and the day after? The church needs capable, enthusiastic group leadership, which are the elders. Listen to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. It says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So elders of the Lord's church are to be honored, and we should work or honor them. Uh, the book of Hebrews, th chapter 13, verse 17, said that we should follow them. As a matter of fact, it goes stronger than that. It says we should obey them, for they look out for our souls. We also need enthusiastic members of the Lord's church. Do we schedule Bible studies on our own? Or do we wait for the elders to do that for us? Do we volunteer our services to the elders, tell them that we would be happy to assist them in any way we can, Bible study, whatever it might be, personal work in any way? If they give us an assignment, do we complete that assignment? What do we do in the Lord's church? Look at another example, uh, Andrew. Andrew, when he met Jesus the first time, he was very concerned about telling his brother about it. In, in John, the first chapter, verse 41-42, says he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So no group of people told him to go find his brother. He did this on his own. He was a self-starter. He had personal uh, leadership. The Bible tells us all Christians should seek to uh, bring others to Christ. In the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse 18, 19, and 20, and in Mark, uh, chapter 16, verse 15, 16. This is what Jesus told the apostles, and it applies to you and me today. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that believes not will be condemned. We have that responsibility as Christians. Are we taking advantage of it? Are we doing our job and providing personal leadership? In Jerusalem, where the church was established on the day of Pentecost, these people taught the gospel. They lived to teach others the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they needed to have strong leadership from the leadership of the church to direct them in the right way, but they also needed that personal leadership as a member of the Lord's church. Remember the story of Apollos, the, the outstanding gospel preacher? It 
They said he was an eloquent man. He was uh, mighty in the scripture, fervent in the spirit. But he only knew the baptism of John the Baptist. So Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife, were listening to him. And they realized that he only had the knowledge of what John the Baptist had taught. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And they took him aside and taught him the word of God that says more perfectly. One version says more accurately. Now this, no group of people told them to do this. But they did it on their own. They provided personal leadership. This was a husband and wife team teaching someone the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they showed their love for him. They showed their knowledge and teaching him the word of God more accurately. And they sacrificed themselves in order to teach him. And they had and demonstrated their personal leadership ability. Remember the story of the Samaritan? This is a person that uh, a young lawyer came to, to, to Jesus and said, asked him many things that he needed to do in order to be a follower of him. And he told him these things. He said, I've done this all of my life. And Jesus added to that, and, and be uh, uh, your neighbors, love your neighbor as yourself. When this uh, attorney heard that, he couldn't understand that. Why should I love my neighbor as myself? Jesus showed him a story to help him understand what is right. He said, there was a man that was robbed and beaten and left on the side of the road to die. Many people walked by and they refused to help him. They just ignored him. Then a priest walked by, a person you would have thought would take care of him. But he even crossed over on the other side. Then a Levite came by. This is the tribe of the priestly family in the old Bible days. You would have thought he would have stopped by, but no, he crossed over on the other side also. But then this old Samaritan, one that was hated by the Jews, he's like an animal. He, he, you know, they're, they're nothing. But what did he do? He stopped by and he helped this man. He treated his wounds. He put him on his own animal and took him to an inn, spent the night with him, caring for him, and when he left the next day, he gave the innkeeper some money. Uh, the Bible says it was two days' pay. And he told the innkeeper, please take care of this man. And if it takes more, when I come through again, I will repay you. So then he asked the lawyer, who was the good Samaritan? He said, the one that took care of Jesus, of course, or the wounded person, of course. This is the attitude that we should have. Being willing to take care of people, assist people when we can. Where in Connecticut in general, we have a very 
a lot of little congregations. There are 50 where I attend. There's usually 50 on Sunday morning. But a lot of small congregations can band together and do a lot of work. We had one small congregation. It was uh, about 100 at that time. They decided they wanted to help the feed the homeless people. So they bought two commercial ranges, a commercial refrigerator, all the commercial pots, pans, spoons, whatever they needed. And they got approved by the state and the city. And the state made them get two people in their congregation that were certified. And all the food must be prepared at that building. Well, they did this for a few years, and it got too much for them. They started, they were an old congregation, they were dying off and moving away, and not that many coming in. So they asked surrounded congregations to assist. People come for over 50 miles to help provide food for those homeless people. Where I attend, we are involved in it. When your time comes, you sign up, you have to provide the menu, purchase the food, have enough people to go to uh, prepare the food and serve the food. And we serve the food at six o'clock, and just as the doors close at six o'clock, the people are all in the room, we have a short devotional and prayer, uh, five minutes or so, never over 10, and then the people are served. And we feed always 40 to 60 people, homeless people, Monday night through Friday night. Then the Catholic Church picks up Saturday and Sunday in the summertime, and in the wintertime, they provide about 200 beds for shelter. In Connecticut, it gets very cold. It will have a lot of snow. And people will freeze and die if they do not have a place to stay. So they provide beds for them. And then they prepare breakfast in the morning. And they do that all winter. And then it goes back to the regular schedule in the um, summertime. So much good can be done through, you don't have to be a large congregation to do all these good things. Uh, we can do that otherwise. Then the last one we'll mention is Cornelius. You know, Cornelius was said to be a very, very good man. He gave alms to, to God. He was a man that was a God-fearing person. He was a military leader of a Roman uh, soldier in charge of a hundred people. And he wanted to, but he wasn't a Christian. He wanted to hear the word of God and he asked that someone come and teach him the word. So they, they told him to send some of his men to a certain address and the apostle Peter was there and to ask him to come and teach them the gospel. And they, by revelation, they sent Peter a message and told him, four or five Gentiles are coming to your home and you are to give them a board, a bed in that night, food the next morning, and go to Cornelius' house and teach them the gospel. Paul said, I have never, never had foot in a Gentile's house, neither have they had foot in my house. 
and I can't do that. And they t kept telling Peter, what God has made clean is certainly clean. Peter prayed about that for a very, very long time, and he finally realized God has provided salvation for all, Jews and Gentiles. And then he, when those people knocked on his door, he let them in. They slept there that night. The next morning they had breakfast, headed out for Cornelius' place. But Peter, to clear himself, have a witness he asked three individuals to go with him that were Gentiles and when they got to Cornelius's house Cornelius was a very ambitious man he had gone out and asked his friends his neighbors his loved ones to come and hear the gospel of Jesus so the personal leadership of one man brought many people in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that this one man caused several people to obey the gospel. You read about this beginning in the 10th chapter of uh, Acts, uh, about verse 24, and it continues on through the 11th chapter, most of the 11th chapter. And as Peter was speaking to those people, teaching them the word of God, the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles like it did on the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And there again, Peter and his Jewish friends were just amazed that they received the same thing from God that the Jews did on the day of Pentecost. Second Peter 1 verse 5 says, But also this very reason, give all diligence, Add to your faith virtue and to your virtue uh, knowledge. You know, if we have a lot of knowledge and do not know how to use it, it can be very, very dangerous. But a lot of knowledge and no zeal is absolutely useless. So let's keep in mind as we try to do God's word to do it in accordance the way the Bible has given us examples. The leadership of the elders is a must. They must have the vision to plan and take care of the Word of God. But also, Peter told us, members of the Lord's Church, in Romans, the first chapter, the twelfth verse, said, I beseech you, therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a holy sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. Are we doing that? Sorry, I have to pull this up. I had uh, cataracts removed a year and a half ago. 2020 in this eye, but I can't see out of this eye. That's why I'm wearing glasses. So it's hard for me to see this far away. <laughs> So let's make sure that we do these things, but keep in mind, it takes time, it takes effort, and yes, it takes energy. Personal Christian leadership requires sacrifice. All leaders, fearless leaders, have devoted their time to this. Going back to the Civil War, we talked a little bit about this 
Monica's house the other night, General Jackson with the South and a general with the North. The Northern general was up on a rise looking down in the valley and he saw General Jackson. And he said, look at Jackson. He's standing there like a brick wall, stone wall. And that was the beginning of Jackson's nickname, Stonewall Jackson. Uh, so let's keep in mind that we must all continue to make sure that we devote our Christian leadership as it is supposed to be. The wise man Solomon said in Psalms 23 and 7, as we think in our heart, so we are. How do we think in our heart? When I asked you this morning, are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Do you want to be a Christian? You can if you're willing to do so. If you are willing to uh, repent of your sins, change from that old way of life. And uh, according to Acts 26 verse 20, confess before man that yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then repent and be baptized. Remember the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. He got up, a uh, very energetic man, of course. In the second chapter of Acts, he stood up with the other eleven on about verse 14, started teaching the people. And then down in verse 36, as he comes on, he said to the people, This is the Christ, the ones that you crucified. Now there were people from all 12 tribes, many thousand people there, but only a few asked the question, what shall we do? In verse 37. And in verse 38, Peter told them what to do. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on down in verse 41, it said, Almost 3,000 obeyed the gospel that day. And verse 47 says, He is still adding to the group today those that are saved. So if you're not a Christian this morning, we ask that you consider obeying the gospel today while you have the opportunity. If you are a Christian and feel that you need the prayers of the church, we also invite you to come. Whatever your decision might be, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.